Everyone has a story to tell, and every story is one worth telling. What's yours? Welcome to Friends with Ben. Welcome to Friends with Ben. I'm Ben, and these are my friends. It's always a good time catching up with arguably the funniest guy I know. My friend Jake, aka the white Shaquille O'Neal, joins the podcast to talk about the old days and how much they really didn't matter. We also talk about his journey as an actor and his pure, unadulterated podcast, Who Cares? This is the story of Jake Brennan. We're live, bro. That's it. Just chilling. What's up, man? I didn't know if we were going to do some big intro like uh, Tiger Tiger Belly, the Bobby Lee one, where they're like, do a huge <laughs> thing, you're not allowed to talk. I was like, oh, I don't know. It's kind of like Joe Rogan, where you just go right into it, and then we just start talking. You just like, compare I, yourself to the biggest podcast of all time. No big deal. I mean, just maybe, maybe a little bit. That might be yeah, the goal, good. but like you know, <laughs> get that hundred mil, baby, bro. How you uh, doing? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. I mean, as good as you can be. You know, <laughs> in these times. You know what? I was actually thinking about this. It's like the phases of quarantine. Cause like when the thing first started. I was just like, you know what, I'm going to eat myself into an early grave. And I just literally, <laughs> my skip the dish bill was post Malone level. Like it was just a million dollars and I ate everything. And then after two weeks of that, I was like, okay, like I got to do something in my life. So I was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to Gary V. I'm going to write. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do all these great things. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to learn a new instrument, you know, language. I'm going to take advantage <laughs> of this time. Right. And I actually did pretty well. Like I had a good probably month or two there where I was like kicking ass. Right. Nice. Um, and then I hit a point where I kind of like I had five or six things I really wanted to do. And then I got like four and a half of them done. And I was just like, mm. all right. And then, and then I kind of fell into a depression. And then now, now we're oh, here. Basically, you just burned out. I think that's what they call it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never experienced it because I just like, I just stopped caring about stuff. But it's like, I think it's technically, right. yeah, the burnos. I think that happened to me. Yeah. I don't know if you remember when we first met, but I remember it vividly. Are you trying uh, to wheel me right now? (laughs) You're not going to make out with me right now? (laughs) Dude, I remember when we first met. Oh my God, I'm hard. Those those sweet green eyes and I was just like, wow. It was like pools of emeralds. I appreciate that, my man. Yeah, I do have nice (laughs) green eyes, eh? (laughs) This got such real. What are you going to say? Tell this beautiful story. Hmm. It was grade nine math class. We both sat at the back and I just remember big ass tall dude. I was like, oh, okay. He seems gentle giant and that like, or whatever. <laughs> then you open your mouth and you start talking. I was like, yo, this guy's like the funniest guy I've ever met. I remember how much shit you used to give to Miss T all the time. Oh. I'm just like, this guy gives no fucks. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I've pretty much been a no fuck guy since I was born, you know? You say what you say, but yeah, I tortured that woman. She was a good time though, Miss <laughs> Tarantello. She's yeah. a fellow wop. She could take it and dish it out. She was a good time. <laughs> She was a good time. Oh, yeah. If you were cool in high school, you are now a loser, right? So it's like you don't <laughs> want to be that cool. So the weirder you were in high school, the probably more successful you are now. Yeah, I remember like we were sitting in the back and I don't know what started it, but you and I just bonded over basketball. That's all we talked about. Didn't even care about the math, the functions, whatever. We were just talking ball. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. us right away. It was just we had the basketball thing and then you're off the races, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's basically how the friendship started. Did you get into basketball just because you were tall or like how did that love for ball come into play? Pretty much how it started was I was a huge Shaq guy. I still am. Yep. I got a Shaq card like for one of my birthdays. My dad was like, yeah, like this guy is like, you know, seven feet 
feet tall and he's like athletic and he dunks on people and he's just like his whole attitude and his whole charisma is like wow it's awesome and then I remember this is like way back in the day probably like 2002 my dad used to like VHS record the finals like wow. I'd watch the early finals like the next day and wow. it was like obviously Shaq and Kobe era and then it was the Tim Duncan mm-hmm. Spurs which I always hated which like that yeah. kind of got me into basketball and I was nice. just like, oh, dude, like, I'm going to be seven feet tall and just dunk on people my whole life. <laughs> and then I just fell in love, man. I loved basketball from that day on, you know? It's yeah. cool because that was, like, our, like, common interest and bond. But while we were both in high school, we kind of went on different paths. Whereas, like, I was on student council, did all the drama stuff while you went the more Steve Stifler jock route. And just, and I feel like that's what really started to shape your personality because yeah. you took that and kind of ran with it all the way to university. I kind of agree like if you really look at it though i didn't really start partying or wheeling chicks or like doing you know cool douchey stuff until probably grade 11 or 12 grade 11 like, or 12 was, yeah for a six five white guy like i legitimately believed i was league bound so like i, <laughs> I literally i remember like, we would no. have so many chats where you're like i'm going to the league i'm going and the thing is you oh, said dude, it with I such conviction it, that i believe i believed, I believed him oh yeah. yeah i think in the back of my head i still believe it but <laughs> but uh i literally would like do ball handling drills in my garage like i would just mm. you know find a court somewhere in Brantford. it was really hard to find a court like now there's a bunch of them back in our day there wasn't an indoor court you could just go practice year round like dude it was like i had to, like sneak into this place and talk to this guy to get a key and like it, it was a hustle and unfortunately i never had like coaches or anybody who's like hey i like, come here and do this i kind of you know do it myself yeah i think a lot of my life is kind of that way but yeah then i think grade 11 12 i was just like oh yeah i'll play ball and you know i started drinking and you know going down that path and just being silly and doing you know funny shit but Mm -hmm. i actually have a great story if you want to go really intense into that go go for it okay go for it rip it up so like i said i'm I'm going league bound right like i'm like i'm I'm obsessed (laughs) with basketball i love it right every core of my being looking back though basketball is always a heartbreak for me because i always like lose the big game or you know something would happen like it never went my way in a positive way it was always an uphill battle and then i did fifth year right because my grades were just a joke and i couldn't get anywhere Mm -hmm. so i did university English that summer got a good English mark right because I was like super important then I took a couple of BS courses fifth year played ball I think grade 12 we had a lockout too so like there wasn't even a season we played like yeah. 10 games or something I might have played five because I had bad math marks you know <laughs> and then fifth year it's like this is all the marbles right and I'm going on different visits and I played in Waterloo that year Jamal Murray was our point guard he was younger than us we like played with us we had oh, a bunch shit. of other guys who went like D1 and Juco and stuff and I was like the only white guy so I was a token <laughs> white guy but I was like you know I earned their respect and stuff it was the best year of basketball in my life. So I'm going to fifth year conference, playing well, do all these visits, right? And I remember going to University of Toronto with my dad, you know, and he obviously knows my dream and, and support it and everything. We're at U of T, pretty prestigious school. The coach is like all over me, like, you know, you know, we do a workout with some guys and they didn't really have any big guys. So I'm like, I'm pretty much dominating, like I'm doing really well. And then they had a mm-hmm. game that night. So we go to the game, the stands are, you know, you know, there's 50 people there. This, yeah. this is before they had that new stadium. Mm-hmm. So we're there and, and this guy comes on they're like yeah fifth year i think his name was alex hill or something right he comes out small forward alex hill toronto all-time leading scorer and they just like give him a picture and they shake his hand he's like okay great i remember seeing that and just probably the moment i quit it broke my heart then they played the game horrible team nobody could rebound and the coach was just like oh jake you could have helped us tonight and i go yeah yeah, definitely and the ride home my dad's like jake like you know u of t wants you. you can go to u of t man like, this is cool and keep in mind like i'm an only child my dad i don't even know if he graduated high school you know my mom went to university later to be a nurse i'm not coming from you know <laughs> four generations of harvard you know so this yeah, is like pretty yeah. big for us right 
And then I go, dad, I'm over this, man. Like I'm not playing basketball 60 hours a week to get a plaque and a handshake, become a insurance salesman and get married to, you know, an ugly girlfriend and have kids. Like that's not going to be my life, <laughs> which for a 19 year old to say that is, wow, that's pretty outstanding. You know? And I was honest with myself as far as my dreams, like, okay, I'm not good enough for the NBA. I'm going to mm-hmm. have to play CIS or do whatever. And I'll probably be pretty good, but mm-hmm. it's like, you have to be super dedicated to do that. Yeah. And then even after that, when that moment happened, I, I decided to go to Brock and I went to training camp. I played summer leagues. I was still in my head like, oh no, you can play, right? And I remember there was one day like after training camp where I had to do a workout just on my own, like back home. And I was like, I don't want to be here right now. I don't enjoy doing this. Like I don't want to play. And that day combined with the UFT visit, I was just like, dude, you got to be honest with yourself. This isn't what you want. You know, it's, it didn't go the way you wanted it. You put a lot into it, but the juice isn't worth the squeeze for me anymore. You know, I remember the first year of university was just wild. Cause it was just like, Oh wow, this is how civilian people live. Like, like I always worked out, <laughs> had practice, had tournaments, had games. I was like, yeah, exactly. Wait, just the free time. And everyone's like, yeah, do whatever you want. You have, you know, 12 hours of classes all week. So you're like, Oh my God. Like it was just such a revelation. Right. Yeah. It's incredible that you actually came to that revelation very early on. Cause I know a lot of people, especially who have those like big hoop dreams, they chase them until someone tells them like, it's not going to happen. But the fact that you came to that internalization of like, I don't want to do this anymore. I like, I just don't. Let me get it straight. You realize that when you were at U of T, all those hours that you would have put in, it would have just led to that moment. Yeah. Oh, I got a picture, a plaque, and then it's done. And, and this was their best guy. Like he did really well, right? Yeah. I just remember seeing that in my head and going, wow. So in five years from now, I can be there. Yeah, I'm out. And no disrespect to people that keep the dream going. If you want to play of overseas, course. I know there's some semi-pro leagues now in Canada, like, you know, where you get paid in, you know, maybe Baconators and beer or something. I don't know. But it's like, <laughs> if you want to do that, like I'm not being disrespectful respectful like do that man do that until they don't let you on the court i just knew for me there's other interests i had and other pathways mm-hmm. i needed to explore and i think i kind of maxed out this one and i go okay I, this is how good i can be i don't really want to continue this you know yeah like i said that's great how you were able to be so honest with yourself at such a young age too yeah like only I said, child that's some... you, got, you got to be absolutely yeah. and for some of us like myself that's a revelation that doesn't come until for me this past year where it's like not sure this is what i really want to do and then you kind of just come to terms with it so obviously once you decided okay basketball is not for you going into your first year at brock tell me about what it was like no more 60 hours a week of practice no more tournaments none of that you have all this new free time to kind of rediscover yourself and what you really like and like going back to what i was saying you basically carried that steve stifler persona all the way into university so how did you (laughs) how did you balance that with trying to figure out okay what do i want to do now okay well i'm gonna say some real douchey cocky stuff right now but it's just the truth of life be honest. Um, honestly, like school was very easy for me and university was actually even easier. I was never the guy, like I remember in high school, they're like, oh, you go to university or college, try to pull this off. They'll kick your ass out. It's like, yeah, no, they won't. And it's like going, <laughs> every, going every day to high school, like from 9am till 3.30 or whatever, every single day, like nobody in the history of the world missed more classes than I did. Like I couldn't, I literally can't be that consistent. I can't mentally do that, man. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I can't do that. Yeah. So going to university, which like, there's so many ways to to game the system but it's just like oh yeah you build your own schedule you pick your classes that are most interesting to you if you don't like it you can move and do something else like it's on you to figure that out you're, you know you're going to school for 12 to 15 hours a week usually i've made my stuff you know afternoon night courses or even online when i could so i could pretty much have free reign of whatever i wanted to do and at the time i pretty much decided i want to dedicate myself to acting comedy and then partying and i don't know which order and any three of those <laughs> orders i'm not sure which was at the top it changed week by week but i was like okay i want to 
to get into acting. I want to do comedy. And I want to just give her and have, you know, I want to make some memories here. So that yeah. was kind of my, uh, you know, Brennan's, uh, what do they call it? Hierarchy of needs or whatever. Hierarchy right? of needs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of mine. <laughs> and that being said, like, you know, I didn't have anybody in the industry or in the business or anything. It was kind of just like, okay, we'll figure it out on your own. And I did. I think kind of. <laughs> you're still figuring out as you go right it's a process well, yeah the know? first thing was like okay i have to get headshots i have to get an agent i have to make up a resume so that was a whole process and then the first thing i ever booked was a subway commercial subway commercial oh i remember seeing yeah. that everywhere it was on for four or five months like mm -hmm. nba football i was on sports and tsn youtube like i literally got a residual from that like a year ago i got a ton of money from that which was dope i didn't really book any tv or movies but i booked like three or four commercials within the first year year and a half yeah the president's choice one that was another national one yeah that was on it during the grammys i think during the super bowl like that one was pretty ridiculous too you were booking these big national spots i was like oh yeah. shit this guy's doing it this yeah i was really i was doing it i pretty much had a ton of money like for a second here <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> so it's like you know i'm getting all these commercials i'm just absolutely <clears throat> bawling i also got osap money and stuff too i was a billionaire pretty much like yeah <laughs> at, that, at that time like i literally was just like no dense like all the money in the world and i don't know if we want to get into this or not i was living with a third 35 year old teacher who had like a teacher's salary and would like buy us bottles and buy us food oh, so it's like the first two maybe three years like i literally had it better than anybody ever i bought a yeah. car because uh, my mom would never let me drive her car or borrow it or help me at all with the car so i was mm -hmm. like i'm buying myself a vehicle right now and i just went out and bought one like immediately <laughs> it was just a jet or whatever but you know i felt cool doing that yeah and then eventually that agent he just stopped paying me like he mm. just kept a bunch of these checks in the last like maybe four or five months i had a bunch of these residuals from like 2016 because this guy wow. just like kept them and so there's a bit of a problem there but that's you know that's the business i guess obviously you came into that realization after basketball it's like okay i want to get into acting comedy what sparked that with basketball like you said it came with your dad giving you a shot card and showing you all the tapes what sparked that love for like yo i want to get into acting so there's multiple things of the course. first thing like i said only child my dad always hooked me up with like he never let me celebrate halloween because like all oh, the devil's night and he'd tell me like all these kids were dying in mexico and it made it terrifying for me but he would always hook me up with like the coolest costumes and lightsabers and like all the cool stuff right so i was just in my playroom just making up stories and just acting nice. and like i would just like change the ending of movies and then like act it out so my mom <laughs> has a great quote she's like yeah like when you were younger i was like wow this kid's either gonna turn out gay or be an actor like i, I <laughs> So I was like, yeah, I'm like, thank you. I would do that. So I was always kind of into performing and just doing stuff like that. And as far as comedy goes, when I was super young, Dane Cook was the coolest guy in the world to me. 05, 06, 07, like that range where he just took over the world was like, I remember watching that. And the one special where he's in TD Garden and like Ploy of the Month and all that type of stuff. Oh my God, like this is the coolest shit I've ever seen. And yeah, just natural charismatic person. Even when I was at a young age, man, like in school, somebody would do something. I'd be like, if I say this thing, I am going to get in trouble. Like I know I will get yeah. in trouble for this. It's worth the laugh. So I would like I'd say it or do it. And then get in trouble and be like oh you have to write lines or whatever you know during recess it was like whatever i'm doing it so that's kind of the origin story and i always wanted to do something like that but i just was never mm. sure even when i was a really young kid going to church somebody was like there's some casting director somebody's like hey there's a cheerios commercial that like he should do like for me uh, i don't know if this guy was you know kevin spacey harvey weinstein who knows i remember my dad being like no like i'm not letting you do it and i was super cute with like a mushroom haircut he's like no like, like everyone's just gonna rape you and like take all your money it's just a, you know 
he that's a pretty, <laughs> pretty blunt guy right <laughs> i was like okay like I, I guess right so i was like obviously mm-hmm. i don't want to be raped like i'd prefer not to be so i decided not to do it he pretty much was like yeah when you're 18 like if you want to get into that stuff like do it so i remember like first year of university thinking like, okay i was an athlete and, like now i'm an artist and what would an artist do so i read mm-hmm. a bunch of like books one was that stephen pressfield book that was like about combating the war of art or whatever i was always a huge reader but just kind of changing my mind to instead of athletic stuff go more into the arts and, and figure it out pretty much my biggest regret i would say over those four years was that i never started you know i started a little bit here and there but never started a pod or uh you know do vines or something i was kind of just like oh i'll get to it and then obviously you graduate and you're like oh now i have real life <clears throat> that's like my only regret is that i didn't lean more into that but that's mm. kind of the origin story for me it's crazy how you bring that up because my next question that i was just about to ask you was was there anything during your time in either high school or college that you wish you did or didn't do high school i think literally doesn't matter at all so <laughs> like I, I don't care that's fair like, no I mean, that's fair like it does matter if that's the last thing you do it matters right like if you go from mm. high school right into the workforce or like stay in your town or whatever then yeah high school matters yeah. a lot i barely remember high school i just remember going ah, stuff happened and then whatever like it doesn't who cares but university is like my biggest regret was you know after we had these crazy nights out and all these things would transpire and, and all the chaos and everything we'd always meet the next day like all the boys and we'd just talk and laugh about the stories oh remember you did this and that and we'd always joke and go oh this should be a podcast called the morning after pod right ah, that yeah. was always what we'd say but nobody ever recorded it it never went anywhere it's just an idea right and that was such a good lesson like i'm still mad about it now because i feel like i'd already be famous and successful by now right but it's right. like we didn't do that and it's like wow like we missed out on some golden opportunity for content of but course. i just in my head i always need it to be perfect like oh i need a film guy i need a this guy i need yeah. that guy yeah but i always like put it off so i'm like oh i need the right guy or this or it's like no dude just start filming it'll be garbage it. but eventually it'll get good absolutely that's probably my biggest regret is that i didn't do that but mm-hmm. that being said i did get a book out of it i wrote a book called only idiots graduate and right now i'm kind of in the midst of trying to sell that and get a book agent and go through nice all that. so we got a book out of it but i could have had probably a huge successful pod who knows what else but you know you live and learn yeah at least you were able to turn it into some piece of content where it's like okay i can make use out of it yeah i hope this book goes somewhere and you know people can enjoy it and get a laugh out of it like i put pretty much a year of my life into it so mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see where it goes or what happens there's a lot of people who they quote unquote peak in high school or peak in college and that's like the time of their lives how do you not fall into the trap of being stuck in the past and letting that be the definitive time of your life because there's a lot of people who you and I I'm sure know personally that have fallen into that that's a great question because obviously I, you know with my buddies and stuff we joke a lot about that it's a funny joke and everything mm-hmm. one thing that I'm super thankful for I'm the least addictive party person ever or you could say I'm the most disciplined partier ever like yeah. whichever way you want to go with it it's like mm-hmm. even when I party and did that stuff a lot of people around me partying and the whole lifestyle and going out and doing all that they would let it take advantage of them and they like suck one of class they wouldn't hand do their work and they wouldn't you know, yeah. do that stuff what I did at the beginning of each semester I'd make a file of all the dates or everything I have to hand in so I would literally know third weekend in november i'm not going out i'm literally just gonna hide in the library or hide in the study area and like just grind for four days and get everything done so i was really good like i'll stay up all night i'll fucking work on this if i have to fake a doctor now like whatever i have to do here to get this in i'm doing it as long as i take care of the school stuff i will be able to do the other stuff where if i let the other Mm -hmm. stuff take over well then i'm just moving home and i'm a loser and then even now it's like i'm so happy i kind of got all those demons and that stuff out of me because i feel like a lot Of of people hold that in and then when they're like 40 years old married Married, hate their job, hate their wife. They just snap and then they start drinking or doing weird stuff where it's like, yeah. if I never drink or party one more time in my entire life, I'm good. 
because I did everything. That's, that's There's nothing sexually, party-wise, anything that's like, oh, I, I wish I could explore that. It's like, I did everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I got to experience everything. So it's like, I'm good. So now I can just grind on what I want. I go here and there, friends or whatever, but it's like, I don't even enjoy that now because I'm just going like, this is taking me away from my main thing. Then I'm going to be hung over for a day or two, so I'm not going to be able to be effective. And then, it, it, and for what? Just to hang off a buddy you don't even like and have a beer? I'm over that, yeah. you know? But thank God I'm like that because a lot of people, like you said, are not mm-hmm. like that. And they're like, I just have to party. I have to keep doing this and then you're the weird old guy at the bar who's like hey what's up and they're like are you yeah you look old and you're like no no no." (laughs) yeah you don't want to be that guy there's very few people i feel like who actually know the real me so it's like yeah i I like to like be outrageous and funny and all that stuff but it's like Mm -hmm. if you look at my day-to-day in life very boring I like mm-hmm. to write for three, four hours a day. I like to read books. It's not really that exciting at all. Yeah. But it's like, you just see stuff you're like, oh, this guy is, you know, giving her. It's like, nah, not really. Or I have great stories of like, like last year I went to Vellum, all this crazy stuff happened. Mm-hmm. That's like one weekend in the entire summer. Of course. Where people think like, oh, that, that guy's living like damn That's his whole life. You know? it's yeah. Like, yeah. No, it's not, it's mm-hmm. not like that at all. Of course. No, once I get money, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen. Okay. <laughs> it's easy to say when I'm poor, but once I get bank, I'm going out all the time. No, we'll see. I guess we'll find out, you know, the quality of person I am. For... Yeah, I want to talk about acting with you because I had a couple bones to pick with you as far as your writing goes. What? <laughs> ask me the questions and we'll get into it. Not many people ask me questions. All right. I'm ready for this. But basically, there's a lot of people who they don't even get that opportunity to get those like national spots or even just independent features like that. You managed to accumulate all this experience very, very quickly early on. How has being on an actual set prepared you for going forward in terms of the rest of your acting career? Well, the reason they don't get the opportunity, I like, guess, as, as much as I have, it's because I'm funnier than them, right? <laughs> now. It's, it's honestly such a crapshoot, man. Like, it feels good, like you hyping me up and saying I did these things because you don't think about it. Like you look back and you go, wow, I actually did some cool things. But in the moment, like you're just depressed. You're comparing yourself to Pete Davidson or something. You're like, wow, I'm funnier yeah. than him and he's doing all this. Like I'm a loser. So that's yeah. how I feel, right? But it's mm-hmm. like, we look back, like, well, I've done some cool things and hopefully continue to. But yeah, it's honestly, it's like, dude, like acting, all that stuff is like, if you just like gambling, then get into acting because it's not about talent. It's not about whatever. It's literally just somebody thinks, oh, you kind of look or whatever. And then you get it. It's such a crapshoot. Like, you know this, but so, yeah, mm-hmm. fortunately I got some commercials. I got to do a little movie. Like I'm super thankful for that. And I hope I can obviously do more going forward. Of Being course. on set though, anything, you know, that taught me or whatever, pretty much is that I know for me, like I have to go the Sylvester Stallone method as far as like, I got to write my own shit. Luckily with the Primrose, it was right up my alley. It of was a you know, Stifler, Jimmy Tatro type character where I can just be yeah. myself, you know, Thad Castle-like type of thing. Mm-hmm. It was really fun to do. And, and Kilmer, he did a GoFundMe. He got some people to, you know, like produce it and put some money into it. He did mm-hmm. it all on his own. So that really inspired me to be like, dude, you can make stuff on your own. It just takes time. So that pretty much got me into writing. I have a short film. I was going to film this summer. I kind of had it lined up. But then I was the Corona. So mm-hmm. I want to shoot that at some point. But yeah, it really just taught me like you got to own your stuff man you gotta write you gotta direct you kind of gotta do it all nowadays obviously surround yourself with talented people the one guy i met drew on that he's made like three or four really great short films of like one film contest he's crushing it in new york the other guy mark gagnon he was like the lead of the movie he's actually andrew scholl's opener i don't know this movie is probably like nobody's gonna see it. it's not a huge thing but it's like it's gonna be one of those things where i think you look back in five or ten years and you're like wow like, i can't believe like all so those people so are, yeah, like, there's yeah. actually some people like super talented funny people on it yeah great and like i was personally super comfortable on set because most of the time you're just, it's a hangout you're just hanging out with people so hopefully they're cool and you get along but you're just hanging out with the boys chatting it up and you gotta go say some funny lines he really let us improv a lot too which is right down yeah. the alley 
So yeah. I could really just go pure, you know, Vince Vaughn mode and just give her. But yeah, I'm super fortunate and thankful for every opportunity. As much as you compare to other people and you're depressed and you think mm-hmm. you're a loser. At least that's that's how I <laughs> I behave. But it's of course, yeah, of course. I'm thankful. So yeah. I love the point you said that acting is essentially gambling because one of the hard truths that I learned was it doesn't matter how talented you are, because a lot of it, like you said, is a crapshoot. Does that certain casting director see you in that role? Because I know so many infinitely talented people who all they're doing is community theater and stuff and it's just because they haven't found that lucky break so to speak yeah that's the thing i wanted to talk about with you if one of your first articles you did right on your website yeah what was it called i failed or something yeah why admit i'm a failure yeah yeah great clickbait title Um, exactly But I think we talked about this too on Snapchat. I'll dig this up here. The exact comment you made to me when I put that out, it's resonated with me ever since that day. Yeah, it's fast. It's like, you know, I pretty much just said, <laughs> okay, I'll, can I read it or no? Go for it. Go Mind for if it. I it's read fine. it or, okay. Yeah, go so for it. So once you put the article out, I read it and I'm super happy you're doing the pod and doing the writing. That's awesome. So anyways, I Snapchat you and I go, I know you're Asian. So unless you become a doctor, you're considered a failure. <laughs> <laughs> but you're just a guy that's accumulated a bunch of skills and some experiences that hasn't found the right outlet yet. And you're only 24. Pieces will come together and you'll be exactly where you should be and feeling pretty good. Hopefully writing is that outlet. Good luck and stay consistent with it. You know, obviously you want to be an actor and do all these things. I think in your article, you're like, oh, I'm not that guy. Who's the guy from Toronto who's in that Marvel movie coming up? Oh, Simu Liu. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't pronounce that. So thanks for saving me. <laughs> but anyways, uh, <laughs> you know, you compare yourself to him. It's like, dude, like I hate when you hear actors, it bothers me when they say this, like, oh, you know, you hear Will Smith or somebody, right? And they're like, oh, you got to work hard, man. How do you work hard in acting? You show up and you're good looking. You say the thing and then they go next. And then maybe four months from now when the main guy drops out and they go, oh, okay, you can do it. And then you do it and then you're good or you're not, or it doesn't matter because they're going to edit your part out. It's such a crapshoot. Like nowadays, I personally hate social media. Like I'm not a social media guy at all. But yeah. the opportunity as far as to do sketches, to do pods, to do writing, to do all this stuff, because the opportunity of like, oh, I'm going to get a TV show, I'm going to move or whatever. It's like... Mm-hmm. It really has nothing to do with you or your talent. And if you just wait for the audition, you're going to be rusty. So it's like doing pods, doing, con- like you got to do this stuff to stay sharp because yeah, you're waiting for an opportunity that may or may not come. Who knows? So if you just exactly. bank on that, like, oh, I'm going to keep mm-hmm. going auditions in one day. Well, then you're probably going to be broke your whole life. Yeah. That's why. So I don't consider like when you're like, oh, I'm a failure. It's like, dude, you're not a failure. Just like, you, oh you no, I lucky. Like you said, but, that like, was a complete, you know that, but. yeah, it was a complete clickbait title and it was more yeah. so to get people's attention because a lot of people were like, what? And who knows if the world ever opens up again or whatever like after the, i release the book and all that and do the short mm-hmm. film mm-hmm. i'd like to move to la to do comedy and get into acting and really like give it a, a, a legit shot because as course. much as you can do stuff on the internet and do that it's like meeting people and, and networking i hate that word networking but just like hanging yeah. around and meeting people like that's how you're gonna pretty much get something or not mm-hmm. so i'd like to move to la at some point who knows obviously with the pandemic and everything if that'll be six months a year two years who knows but i want to give myself an honest shot at some point right but, yeah, you got to stay busy. You got to do a pod. Like we talked about doing the TikToks, you know, which I still... Uh, exactly. Hey, man, it's been a week. Where's the TikTok at? Dude, I, I have so many written ready to go that are hilarious. It's honestly an ego thing. <laughs> I hate TikTok with all my soul. And I hate what it stands yeah. for and I hate everything. But <laughs> that being said, I feel like if I just drop some fire on there, 
I could mm. actually have a name and maybe make some money. So of I need course. to do it. But in my heart, I'm like, you know, I'm such a purist. Fuck that mm. mindset. I get that. Mm. But yeah, you're right. I got to start cranking TikToks out, man. And shaking my ass for money. That's what, <laughs> that's what I have to do. Here's the thing I actually want to pick your brain at. So you brought up how you saw that goal of giving it a legit shot by moving to LA. However, yeah. with how the current landscape is right now, everything's going digital. So right now with TikToks specifically, every app, every platform, they have a certain peak. Right now we're in the peak of TikTok. TikTok, where anyone who blows up on that app right now, that's what sets the bar for them. It's what happened with Vine. All the big Vine stars, like the Logan Pauls, the David Dobricks, they utilized those platforms while they were at their absolute height. And then they leveraged that to bigger things on YouTube, whether it be film or stuff like that. So basically what I'm trying to ask is why don't you necessarily feel like you can fully utilize, say, YouTube or the online platforms to your advantage while they're still hot? Because right now everything seems to be going digital where you know you watch a vlog on youtube it's essentially the new version of a tv show or a sitcom where whoever's the star of the vlog that's like the star of the show and the people they have in the vlog those are like the reoccurring characters because they built legitimate audiences and when they monetize their content they're making a shit ton of money and it's all going to them it's not getting funneled through a network and they're only getting a percentage of it they're getting like all of it and if arguably you're you're better off in some cases making more money on youtube and and retaining complete creative control. I agree with you. Like I said, I feel like it's just a purest thing at heart. But really, it's just that I got to kind of turn the ship mentally in my own head and really dive into it and commit to it. But yeah, I completely agree with everything you said. And really, it's an ego check. And it's yeah. a mindset that I need to adjust is really the mm-hmm. only thing. And then once I do that, I'm going to be a TikTok star. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I hate it, you know, but it's like, that's whatever it takes, right? So mm-hmm. I agree with you completely though. And one thing I struggle with though, and I think you or any creators can attest to this, because there's so many things nowadays, like there's so many outlets and so many platforms, you actually can't do it all, but you want to oh, do yeah. it all. Yeah. But you physically, and then also you just feel like a failure because when I try to juggle all these things, Well, I dropped Mm -hmm. them all where I pretty much can only do like two or three things. Mm -hmm. And then I'm maxed out as far as energy, mind, like everything. If I try to do four or five things, Mm -hmm. everything's fucked. And then I feel like a failure and I'm mad at myself and depressed. So Mm -hmm. it's really just balancing. Now it's like, okay, the TikTok, you know, the, the pod, whatever, you know, I have to readjust my priorities, but I completely agree with you. It's like, that's probably the way to make a career. It's also tough for me because I just, I hate social media and I hate everything it stands for. Because to me, social media, like we're going to learn in the next 50 to 70 years, everybody's going to be blind because of blue light. And <laughs> I delete all my social media during the week where I'm like writing or doing my stuff. And I just mm-hmm. download it like here and there, look at it for 10 minutes and put it away. Because I used to literally waste seven or eight hours on this shit for nothing. Yeah. Just get jealous at people because you see good looking people in cool places and they're all rich. And you're like, wow, I'm a loser. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what am I on here for? That being said, I need to take advantage of it. Yeah. It's just a tough balance. It's something that I'm, I'm trying to figure out like everybody else. It's completely a struggle because I don't know if I told you this, but for 40 days, I went on a social media detox. Yeah, I read that. I saw like, that article. Yeah. In terms of like, like mental health, physical, health, everything, those 40 days were probably the most mentally sound and peaceful I've ever been in my life. If it were up to me, I'd still be off social media. Same. But the problem yeah. is, is that when you're in the performing arts, you're in the creative space, that's your ultimate evil. meal ticket. You need yeah. it. You need it to put yourself out there, put your 
your content out there. And it sucks because as much as you don't want to, you kind of have to push it out. You have to designate digital free time, digital free spaces. You really have to make a conscious choice because otherwise these things are made to be so addictive that you will literally just waste your life and be miserable. And I agree with you completely. Like I think last, it was maybe July or August, I took like two or three weeks off. I felt great. I just felt the best I ever have mentally feel like I just felt amazing. But like you said, yeah, we need these to put our stuff out. But it's just like you have to just make a mental thing. Like I'm going to download the app. I'm going to use it right now. And then I'm going to put it away, which is hard to do. But it's, yeah, you got to learn how to manage that for sure. You've talked a lot tonight about the confidence that you have in terms of pushing yourself forward and believing yourself and working towards those goals that you want to achieve. But you've also talked about how it puts you in a little bit of a depression in terms of sometimes when you're not able to accomplish all these things, it bums you out. As a creator, I think that's something that we all go through. So how do you balance the two? Because obviously there will be those moments where you're on this high of highs, but then one little thing, it'll bring you all the way back down. And it's, oh yeah, well. Oh yeah, yeah well. And it's tough yeah. because once you get down there, sometimes it feels like you can't get back up. It's an easy line. It's hard to do, but it's just this too shall pass, you know? It's like, <laughs> if you're feeling great, enjoy it because you're not always going to feel that way. Oh, when yeah. you're feeling like, oh, fuck man like i'm such a loser that'll pass too and there's no real answer to it like i deal with this stuff i think any everybody does to some extent but it's like this too shall pass and it's such a battle because part of yourself you want to push you're like oh i want to be great i want to do all these things i want to take over the world you know i'll say this like and this is gonna sound funny but it's like i I truly believe like by 25 i was like i'm gonna be eddie murphy like i'm gonna be (laughs) i'll be a movie star i truly believe that Mm -hmm. and you know and i'm 25 and it's obviously hasn't happened yet and then i look (laughs) at somebody like you know pete davidson yeah i absolutely hate the guy you know but you know but it's just like those type of things it's like okay that's fine i can feel that way for like a day but if i waste a week or two feeling that way then i actually am a loser i think the only way to not feel that way is just the work ultimately i hate saying this it's cookie cutter but you gotta focus on the process you're doing the youtube thing and i've been doing it for a few months now it's like dude the views and the subscribers are absolutely depressing you spend 10 hours on yep. a video and then you go all uh-huh. people watch and you get four dislikes and you're like oh fuck <laughs> But it's like, you know, you have two options though. You can take that and go, okay, I guess I'm done. Or you can be like, well, I have to try something else. Maybe I do a Facebook ad. Maybe I do an Instagram video. Maybe I do TikTok. You just gotta keep fiddling with it Mm -hmm. because eventually it'll work out or it won't. And then you can kill yourself. But either way, (laughs) you know, I'm joking. I'm joking. Don't do that. Oh my God. uh, Either way, you just have to like, fucking continue, man. And if mm-hmm. you really care about this shit, you'll find an outlet. Like you, you get the blog going. That's awesome. You get the pod. You just got to find ways to do this stuff if you have a creative soul in you. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're going to quit because it's just such a kick in the dick nonstop. That's a motivational speech for you, but that's, <laughs> you know, that's the truth, though. You dropped complete truth bombs there. I look at it where you have to be team no shame, right? Because you're mm-hmm. going to do stuff that is going to embarrass yourself, is going to not yeah. get the reaction you like. People are going to try to cancel you or whatever. You can't get canceled until you're successful but yeah you know, you're gonna do this stuff and you have a fear what i try to remember and like i'm naturally a pretty lazy person if i could just lay in my bed and watch <laughs> movies all day and eat fast food i would do that every day like i would do that i'd become 400 pounds like ben stiller and dodgeball and that would be my life i have to literally go in my mind like i said earlier it's like oh i should have done the pie i should have done these things i have mm-hmm. to get all this stuff out of me or i'm gonna be a miserable prick if i'm not doing comedy if i'm not like doing these things and getting it out of my soul then i'm gonna be miserable you have to almost be like, i don't even give a fuck how this goes i just have 
have to get it out of me. Because once it's out there in the world, however it goes, I'm not a social media marketing expert. I'm not whatever. I don't know, you know, if I use the right hashtag or not. I, I don't know. But I just have to get it out because I feel that at some point, somebody will see this and it will lead to something and then maybe I'll have a career. So that's kind of how I look at it, where it's like, if I have an idea, if I have something, do it because I kind of have a perfection mindset, which isn't yeah. good. You don't want that because you always no. make this perfect. No, yeah. no, dude, it's disposable mm-hmm. content. Just make whatever you want. Throw everything to the wall. If one of them sticks, oh, you're, look how successful you are. But if you try to only, oh, I'm only going to throw one thing at the wall, well, then you're going to be a failure because it won't work. Where if you throw 10 things, well, then maybe one will work. So that's kind of how I try to think. But yeah, it's a struggle, man. It can be very depressing if you look at, you put something really funny or something you really enjoy and you're like, yeah, three yeah. people liked it. And you're like, oh, why am I even doing mm-hmm. this? But it's like, that's how everybody started. <laughs> that's literally everybody mm-hmm. ever. Nobody cares until they do. So let's talk about who cares. We're both podcast people right now. Let's talk about yeah. the inspiration behind that. I've had like probably two or three, four. I don't know how many pods I've done. I did one with some guy in St. Catharines while I was driving an hour just to do a pod and then go fuck my ex. So it's like I had that <laughs> pod. Never went anywhere. I just used it as an excuse to go see her, you know, nightmare scenario. I had another pod with like other buddies, like Cam or Rich, who just like, we would do pods and like not release them. They're like, oh, these are test uh, ones. It's like, what? Like, what do you, what do you mean? It's like, it just no, a what? stupid mindset. Pretty much I got to a point, man, where like, I was just losing my mind at home. And I was like, I just have to put something out. And it always sucks too, because like doing a solo pod where you're just talking about webcam for whatever yeah. is the hardest thing to do in the game. Hardest yes. thing to do. I don't have a producer in my room. I don't have a co-host. I'm I'm literally just like I have these ideas that I want to talk about this go which is the <laughs> hardest thing to do so I don't even know if they're good yet I think they're getting a little bit better I just want I gotta get this off my chest I have to do this what am I gonna name it well who cares that's just who cares it's just the, the mind of uh, who cares I'm just gonna say shit who cares yeah so that's kind of where we're at and I release them pretty much every Friday I've been pretty good with that I try to do clips I'm starting a Facebook page so I can do ads on Instagram and all that mm-hmm. yeah it's just called who cares on YouTube with Jake Brennan and I put some funny shit up there maybe it's good maybe it's not I don't know. Who cares? But some of them are good. Some of them are bad. And it's honestly another thing where like you have no idea the ones that are going to get the views. Like I've done yeah. some where I go, this one's getting a million views. Like this is the one. <laughs> I guess none. And then you put another one over. Like that one was absolutely terrible. It's like 500 views. And you're like, oh yeah. like, wow. And how funny like 500 is like, wow, like what a benchmark, you know? Like that's of course. like, that's well, like you, really you got to start right small. Now. Yeah. Yeah. I've been getting slowly better at it. And especially in times like this where you can't do stand up or anything, it's like, I almost treat it just like an open mic. Like I can just talk, yeah. and try stories or say Joe. Like just, I kind of stay sharp by trying to do a pod. So. There's only a segment on the pod called Broad Corner. So, <laughs> like, that's what you're signing up for, you yep. know? Like, nowadays, like, if you just say broad, I think you get arrested for, like, a week in Canada. Yeah, but there's yeah. only a segment called Broad Corner where I just, like, make fun of, like, hinge matches or tell a funny, like, dating story or something like that. So, I have a good time with it. But, yeah, that's kind of the brand of humor I'm going for, which some people, you know, it's rubbed the wrong way or whatever because they'd rather watch Hannah Gatsby talk about, you know, how miserable <laughs> her life is. That's not what we're doing at Who Cares. You know, we're having a silly juice time and we're having fun and we're laughing and we're talking how people actually talk and think and i'm shocked youtube hasn't took me off the platform you know but, uh, <laughs> no, i'm joking i don't think we ever get i don't I never get that bad it's great though because you keep it completely authentic to yourself because i know there's too many people that try to cater too much to what's hot and it becomes a very disingenuous version of themselves but they're doing because it it's like oh this is what's getting views the fact that not only do you stay topical but you keep it on brand to yourself which is very lacking in this industry full of people who are just trying to appease to the masses comedy is getting to a point where it's almost like comedy no matter what you say is just offensive now because people mm-hmm. treat it like you're in a court of law and not like you're just saying jokes where yeah. 
they take a joke or take a bit and they're like, oh my God, can you believe they think that? It's like, dude, as a comedian, half the shit you don't even believe. You just had an idea Mm -hmm. that's funny or really dark and you say it. And then the other point is like, you're making light, you're making fun of something. Where now it's like, oh, you don't say that. Like you can't make fun of anything now. Woke or social justice warrior comedy is not funny because comedy as an art form is like very oppositional because you're taking an opposing view to be surprising. Like, oh, I can't believe you you know because we're all thinking this one view or this one thing mm-hmm. and comedy is the opposite of that so naturally yeah. in, a, in a pc world people are gonna be like oh he can't say that or think that but it's like that's the whole game of comedy so uh, i don't know but it's just some you know philosophical thoughts i've been having <laughs> we're gonna wrap it up with some rapid fire what is your all-time nba starting five? Oh my god rapid fire give me the hardest question okay <laughs> do i have to do by position or just any five it can be your favorite who you think i best. would any combination I'd personally name. like if I, I just have five lebron jameses but that's <laughs> <laughs> not a good, that's not a good answer to the question. So uh, at point guard, I'm going to do a pass first guy. I'll probably go Magic. A shooting guard, I'm going to go Mike. Small forward, LeBron. Power forward. I think we need some shooting, but we could use some defense. I don't know. I'm not going Tim Duncan because I hate him. So <laughs> I'm going to go, honestly, it's between Dirk or KG. Because if I want the mm. defense, I go KG. If I want the outside shooting, I go Dirk. Mm. And I literally, I'm a huge Dirk guy. I had his jersey. Love the guy. For the sake of the argument, we'll go with... We'll go KG just for the, the attitude, just the FU okay. attitude, okay. you know? And then center is hard because Kareem's awesome, but I've never been a Kareem guy. Mm-hmm. Shaq, obviously amazing. And then it's pretty much between Shaq or Wilt. Mm-hmm. And probably go Shaq. So, yeah, that's my thought. Ah, okay. What would your all-time personal favorite be? So it doesn't have to be, like, your best players. It can be, like... My favorite you guys five. Like, yeah, your favorite five. Yeah. Okay, favorite five. Point guard, probably Iverson. I remember watching him just being like, wow, that guy... For a little guy who's just, like, this... Like, oh, the yeah. attitude, the sleeve, the hair, everything. It's like, he's yeah. the guy ever. And then shooting guard. You know, RIP to Kobe, but I never liked him. Like, when he played, I always really? hated I, him. Oh, I, was, hmm. I hated him with a passion. Once he retired, <laughs> he became, like, a friendly uncle to everyone. Like, oh, look what he does with his kids kids everyone loves him but when he played dude i hated that guy I was even when he played Celtics. with Shaq. well oh, i mean i was like you know seven or eight so mm. i didn't even know okay. i never was a kobe guy i hated him so i gotta go jordan as my two my favorite two guard small forward like lebron is just I, i'm on the side of lebron's the goat but we don't we don't have to get into this but, uh, that's, an, that's, that's on, a whole other podcast yeah that's a whole pod on its own that's you know it's power forward wise i think that's probably the most talent rich position because i played that as like all the guys i like so yeah like the dirks i love charles barkley's game I love Blake Griffin. Like, for all the injuries, he was, like, unbelievable, obviously. Even more than the dunk, I think his passing, he developed shooting. I think he was such a kind of lost career because of the injuries. Obviously, Dirk was just amazing. KG, I have, like, a few KG jerseys. Just, you know, a psychopath. And an actor in Uncut Gems. He's, you know, he's an yeah. actor. How how did you like that movie? Oh, dude, I had a heart attack and a stroke at the same time, but it was pretty good. Oh, oh, it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It was a great movie. Unbelievable movie. Um, And then, yeah, Centers, it's like... I love Shaq. I love Will. Like, those are two of my favorite just all-time people. Hakeem is obviously amazing. Bill Russell, but it's like, you know, you're just blocking six-foot-two Jewish doctors. It's not really that, you know. Like, what are we doing here, you know? I'm not trying to take away from it, but it's like the local pharmacist you're dunking on. It's like, this isn't like the real, you know, I don't know. But it's not his fault. You can't affect who you play. But I think those guys, if you put them in today's world, like a Bill or a Will Chamberlain, they'd be all-stars. Like, if I don't, they'd be all-stars and be good. But it's Mm -hmm. just their stats and their like oh 11 title it's like well you obviously wouldn't do that now but they obviously mm. are still great would still be all-stars and i think what they did
did socially too, like Bill Russell, Boston, obviously very racist place at the time and maybe a little still now, but it's like yeah. that guy went through a lot, man. Like he went through a lot of shit. And even I was listening to that one pod, like when Martin Luther King died, like if they were going to play or not, and he was going to go to that speech and like, that guy did a lot for the community and like just for the culture as a whole, like mm-hmm. even more than basketball, right? So Pop rapid fire, it. I feel like I just talked for two hours. <laughs> that. That's how I usually expect the rapid fire questions to go. Favorite movie and actor of all time. Okay, now I can't do a favorite movie because it will be if I have so many favorite movies. Like, I'll give you my top, like, just a few off the top of my head that I, I'm okay. Go for with. it. Go for it. The Shining, Interstellar, mm-hmm. Casino, Play of the Month, even though it's not, it's just one of my favorite comedies. Those are just kind of top, some of my favorites off the top of my head. I'm obviously forgetting a bunch. Mm-hmm. Actor, I'm the team leader of the McConaughey. Like, <laughs> like I, I literally live and breathe for that guy. I'm such a McConaughey guy. It's unbelievable. So, him and Jack Nicholson are my two favorite actors. Yeah. Is just like I look at that guy and I go like that's what I want to do. He could do the psycho and be the just you know losing his mind guy, but he's also so good as the depressed guy, which a lot of people can't do. They can do one or the other. Where he was great at playing either role. I recently was just watching Terms of Endearment. You know, obviously an old movie, but it's like Jack's performance in that movie, dude, is like sometimes he's creepy and and you're like this guy's weird. Other times you feel bad for him. It's just like how he can. I don't think there's an actor like him. And then I'm McConaughey is just like anything he does. I go, this is the best thing ever. Like I, oh, I love McConaughey. <laughs> I'm all for those guys. So nice. the reason I brought nice. up Vince Vaughn though earlier is because I'm six five. He's six. Like as a kid too watching, I'm like, oh, I can do that. Like that's right mm-hmm. with my friends and like my sensibilities as far as comedy goes. And little known fact, Vince Vaughn's mom was actually born in Brantford. Really? Yeah, you can fact check it. Little known fact. Yeah, Shit, true. I, I didn't even there's know. There's kind that. of a connection there, kind of sort of, but not really. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Final question. What would you tell your 13 year old self? Stop jerking off as much. You got to calm down. You're going to cross eyed. <laughs> Stop staying up late at night to watch Latin Lover. It'll be on tomorrow. You can rely. That's what I would say. Yeah. That, it'd probably be that. Cause I remember one time, like in gym class, we were running lap. And, you know, mm-hmm. I was just kind of looking at, you know, other people's asses and stuff and their shorts. And I literally was like, I go to the bathroom. I went to the bathroom. <laughs> There's this big, like, coach in there kind of thing. And I was just sitting there walking off for, like half the gym class. <laughs> and I came back. I was like, hey, what's up? And I remember feeling so weird and just dirty. Wow. So I would be like, yeah, you got to just calm down on the fapping. As far as everything else, a lot of life is just fucking up and failing and feeling miserable. And then you evolve and stretch yourself and become better. So it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know the advice like oh you know because you'd ruin everything else so it's like oh don't talk to this person or do this i would just be like dude go after what you love have a fun time laugh enjoy every moment like that's as corny as that is i don't know what Mm. you tell them you know and also it's like why are you hanging out with a 13 year old like that's kind (laughs) of (laughs) <laughs> why are you hanging out this 13 year old who's jerking off all day like why are you hanging out with him that's already weird enough you know so. oh man thanks for coming on the pod we had a solid chat like that went really well yeah, glad to have the you first on pod i've ever done like as far as somebody else's oh really yeah, yeah. oh that's dope that's dope well you were a great guest thanks all your stories me. were on point had me in stitches like almost the entire time so i appreciate it man thanks for having me on whenever you want to do it, i'll do it whenever and that was the story of jake brennan damn still in stitches after that conversation whether we're talking about ball the world of entertainment or just life in general jake always keeps it 100 and if he had you laughing on this show well he takes it to a whole nother level on his so check out who cares on youtube and prepare an extra pair of pants just in case If you like the episode, feel free to like, comment, and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're listening on Anchor, Spotify, or Apple, feel free to rate and review. Thank you for tuning into Friends with Ben, and we'll see you on the next one.